Would you take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22? Genesis chapter 22. And those who can, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me? We're going to read the first few verses. Uh, You read silently there with your Bible in your hand. I'm going to read out loud. Stand with me as we read God's word together. If you're physically able to stand, do that with me. Genesis chapter 22. I'll be reading verse 1. You read silently. I'll read aloud. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, replied Abraham. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you, do, you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me. You may be seated. If you'd like to follow along this morning with with some notes, you can grab that yellow outline. Kids, there's a green sheet of paper in there to help you track with us a little bit in this story that we're reading about Abraham. But the message I want to share with you today is entitled, Passing the Test. As long as you and I will be around, as long as we will live, we need to be expected To be tested. In fact, that's the first thought for us. Three key thoughts I want us to catch. And the first one is, you need to expect to be tested. As long as you're alive, expect that. 
Now, Abraham was over a hundred years old when the test came from the Lord. Genesis 21, verse 1, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, the Hebrew word here for test means to prove the quality of something. So, to be tested is to be evaluated, to to prove or to examine, to look at the quality The quality of his love for God, his faith in God, his trust in God. Now, there's a big difference between a test and a temptation. Sometimes I think we're uncomfortable with this thought. We try to read over this and say, well, you know, God tested Abraham, but God's not going to test me. He doesn't do tests like that anymore. And we kind of get afraid of this. And I think it's because we confuse tests and temptation. And people, sometimes in our vocabulary, we adopt some bad theology by not understanding what a test is and what temptation is. So let's just take a second to explore those two. Tests come from God. They come from God. Temptation comes from the evil desires within us. They come from Satan himself. So God tests us. Satan tempts us. Those who say, well, you know, God's been tempting me. God never tempts you. Temptation is an invitation to disobey. God will never invite you to disobey him. Satan will tempt you. The bent towards evil inside you, the sinful nature, will follow temptation, an invitation to disobey. Tests strengthen our faith and relationship with God. The purpose of a test is to strengthen our relationship and our faith with God. A temptation will weaken, it will destroy. This invitation to disobedience will lead a path to destruction. A test often will seem very unreasonable. What? God, you want me to do what? You want me to stop doing what? This is not reasonable. Where a temptation plays on our desires, it's not only desirable, but it's, it's often the easy way. It's a temptation of the flesh. Test. God's tests are unique for every believer. We're not all tested by God the same way. Yet temptation, according to Scripture, is common to man. And and we all have a similar temptation that comes from the enemy. As long as you and I will be alive, we need to be expecting that God will test us. Not to try to trip us up. Not to try to get us to fall. Not to say, ha, I knew you couldn't do it. No, that's, that's temptation. A test is to deepen our walk with God and to stretch us and to grow us. Well, how can you and I grow? How can we pass God's tests? There's a number of items that I think could be helpful for us from this passage of Scripture that's a real-life account of what happened in Abraham and Isaac's life that can help us see how you and I could pass God's tests. First is to be close enough to God to recognize his voice. Abraham heard God's voice and he responded in obedience. He didn't question God. He didn't move in those things. He responded to God's voice. Are you close enough to God to be able to discern his voice? Have you made it a pattern to listen for God's voice enough that you can tell when he speaks to you? 
I'm not saying that God will speak to you in an audible voice, that if you had a tape recorder that you could record it. God's never spoken to me that way. He may speak to you, and that's good. God can do whatever he wants to. But are you hearing God speak to you through his word, through the still small voice in your spirit, through other believers? And are you hearing God speak to you? And Are you close enough to him that you can recognize God is speaking to me? To pass the test, Abraham had to be close enough to God that as soon as he heard it, he knew it was God's voice. He also didn't argue with God. Look at verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for the burnt offering and set out for the place where God had told him to go. Now notice, there was no mention of a side conversation. There was no mention of bartering with God or arguing with God. And yet, if, if anybody in Scripture had reasons to argue with God, I think Abraham would have a few. I mean, can't you just think of what Abraham had to have been feeling? God, you want me to take my one and only son, and you want me to sacrifice him? Why? God didn't tell him why. God didn't answer any of his questions until after he was obeying him. God, that's, that's murder. God, you don't, you don't want me to take his life. What? God, seriously, he didn't do that. He could have argued God and say, God, this goes against everything that it means to be a father. A father should protect their son, loves their son unconditionally. And you want me to, to sacrifice my son? God, this doesn't make sense. He could have said, God, you gave me Isaac. Isaac was, was an answer to prayer. He was the promise that you have given to me. And God, okay, so if you gave me Isaac, that was your promise, then surely you've got to be mistaken, God, because you don't want me to do anything to, to the promise you've given to me. God, what would I tell Sarah? I mean, it's one thing. I mean, maybe you can convince me, but what am I going to go back and tell this boy's mother that I thought I heard you speak and I I took his life? God, what would people say about me, about Abraham? They would think I am the crazy guy who just took his son's life. God, what would they say about me? God, I want to protect your reputation. What would they say about you? But Abraham didn't do that. Abraham obeyed God instantly and completely. How can we pass God's tests, be close enough to recognize his voice, don't argue with God, and obey him instantly and completely? Verse 3, early the next morning, as soon as he could, he went in obedience. And verse 4, on the third day, Abraham saw the place in the distance. He went where God told him to go. It took a three-day journey, and he did what God told him to do when God told him to do it, right at that moment. When God calls us to obey, the instant part is so important. The longer we wait, the harder it becomes. Because Satan is doing everything he can to try to convince you to do something else. To rationalize your disobedience. But instant obedience is what God calls for and is what Abraham did in passing God's test. Also to obey completely. It wasn't a partial obedience. It wasn't, okay, God, I'm going to go to the place you're telling me to go, and I'm going to bring my son with me, but I'm just going to bring along another sacrifice, because surely you're kind of mistaken here. 
He obeyed God instantly and completely. He didn't say, God, okay, I guess I'll offer my son as a sacrifice, but let's just do it in the backyard. I don't want to go three days' journey and all that way, and then for you maybe to change your mind, I'm not sure. God, no, he obeyed instantly and completely. If you want to pass God's test, then all of us will be strengthened and deepened as God takes us to places that are far beyond what we can imagine. We need to be close enough to recognize His voice, not to argue with Him, and to obey God instantly and completely. Also, we need to rely on God's promise. Now look at verse 5. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men, the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We, it says, will worship there, and then we will come right back. That's interesting to me. What's Abraham saying? Has he not done the math on this? The plan is to go, one sacrifice, that leaves one left to come home. There's no we coming back home. Isaac didn't understand everything, I'm sure. Abraham didn't understand everything, I'm sure. But Abraham and Isaac... Both apparently knew at least these three things. That Isaac was the vehicle of God's promise to Abraham. Abraham knew that God had blessed him through Isaac. Abraham knew that God always keeps his promise. And third, while Abraham couldn't explain it, while it didn't add up, it didn't make sense, he knew that God had absolute power over every single circumstance, even death and consumption by fire. This was a faith statement for Abraham. Abraham had every intention of sacrificing his son on that mountain in obedience. And Abraham had every intention that Isaac would walk back down the mountain with him when it was over. It didn't make sense. But the voice of God was clear enough that he says, I want to obey even when I don't understand. How can we pass God's test To trust God's provision even when you and I don't see it. Isaac asked a really good question. Dad, I see we've got the wood. I see we've got the the knife. We're forgetting something here. Where where is the the lamb going to come from? The sacrifice going to come from? And Abraham says, son, God will provide for his sacrifice. God will provide for the lamb. He will provide the sacrifice. Now, there's a couple different options here. How is Abraham answering this question? Either Abraham knew that Isaac was going to be the sacrifice, but had faith that God would do something miraculous to bring him back, or he thought that God may do something miraculous to provide an additional sacrifice. But either way, this is a faith statement by Abraham saying, I am certain of what I don't see. And I have confidence in what I can't see. This is faith. Abraham's trusting God when he couldn't understand it, when he couldn't see it, was faith. How can we pass God's test? By being submissive to the authorities that God has put over us. Look at verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. Now, this, this just tickles me. Uh, 
the most conservative estimate here is that Abraham is over 100 years old, between 100 and 120 years old, and Isaac's in his 20s. Now, Scripture didn't say this, but I think we have room to understand that Isaac in his 20s could probably run faster than Abraham in his 100 to 120s. He probably could take his dad in a good wrestle by now. And so for Abraham to tie up Isaac and lay him on the altar tells us that he had to be cooperative in this. Isaac had to say, okay, dad, I I trust you. You've been my source, my provision. You've been the leader over my life that God has placed. And and I not only want to obey God, I want to obey what you're telling me, dad. And, And so there is this model that is perfect of what it means to submit to those who God has placed over when godly instruction is being given. And what an example this is. Abraham submitted to the father's will by sacrificing Isaac as a burnt offering. But Isaac respected his father and submitted to his father's desire to obey God. How can you and I pass the test that God brings to us? By doing the hard thing even when it doesn't make sense to you. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Uh, Say something else, God, because that didn't make a lot of sense. God, I want to hear from you today. Would you answer my prayer today? That's not what I hope for, God. Let's, Let's keep praying for something else. God wants to speak to you. God will speak to you. The question is, are you really committed to obey what he says? God wants us to, with reckless abandon, get close enough to him to confirm that it's his voice, not Brady's, not the person next to you, not yourself, but God's voice, and to obey it, doing the hard thing even when it doesn't make sense. And look at verse 11. At that moment. It's interesting to me that it's then, when he lifted the knife up, he was ready to follow through what God told him. It was at that moment that God intervened and provided. That brings me to the third thought for us. What will happen in our life when we pass God's test? It happened for Abraham. It happened for Isaac. They're not some exception. They are the norm of what God wants to do in our life. What will happen to you and I? Our actions will prove our love for God. We are to keep listening to the voice of God. And at that moment of obedience, of abandonment, he passed the test. God knew that Abraham at that moment had fear of God, moral reverence for God. He obeyed God completely. God knew that Abraham was wanting to live for him With no exceptions. He let go, Abraham let go of what he loved most deeply. So that he could embrace what God would give him that was an even greater love gift. John, excuse me, 1 John 5, 3 says, The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commands and they are not at all troublesome. It's a joyful heart and obedience. We often think God must know how we love Him. God must know I love Him. I come to church. God must know I love Him. I sing. God must know I love Him. I've I've said it once or twice. God knows our love for Him by our obedience to what He says. We begin to see that 
if you and I pass God's test, you and I will see God's provision in our life. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. This was God's provision. He provided another way. God will provide for those who are obedient to his will. It's interesting to me how many times we get all flustered when God doesn't give us what we want as a country or God doesn't give us as what we want as, as, a, as a culture or a people. But when's the last time the nation or the culture or the specific person was trying to live in obedience to God? When we are doing the will of God, we have the right to expect the provision of God. God will provide every time. Now let me make something clear. God doesn't always provide the way that we think he should. If God tells me to give $5, he doesn't always respond with $5,000 back to me. It's not always apples and apples. God will provide with what he needs to get his will done to bring glory to his name. God will provide when we have The need. Not before. Not too late. It's right on time. God will provide when we have the need. Genesis 22 verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw. It was at that moment of obedience that God provided. God will provide what we need in any way that he wants to. God will provide so he can accomplish his will and lift up his name. Some of us live so frustrated and we live in doubt and we're discouraged because we don't think God has provided. And we're looking for God to provide for our will. What I want on my time to lift up my name. But God provides for his plan and to lift himself up. It's not to bring glory to us. Because God is selfish and because God it wants all the credit for himself. No. Because God knows that when we see who he is in our life, it blesses us with rich abundance. Our greatest problem is when we get our eyes so focused on ourselves, we don't see the great gift of who He is in our life. And so His provision is to get our eyes back on Him. His provision is to keep us on His plan, not our plan. What else happens when we pass God's test? You and I will gain a deeper understanding and a deeper walk with God. Genesis twenty-two fourteen. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Now, there are different reasons why names are given in the Bible, sometimes to, de- to declare a status or to mark an event or an occasion or to, to list these circumstances or to predict what's to become. But in biblical times, persons' names represent their character. And when God is given this name, it reveals his character, his true character. Jehovah, the self-existent one, the source, Jehovah Jireh, The Lord will provide. He is the source that provides. Friend, somebody needs to be reminded today that God's names are a promise for us because he can't contradict his own nature, his character. God will make good on who he is at his core. If I pass God's test, if you pass God's test, you and I will be blessed Beyond measure. Because Abraham obeyed God, he not only blessed Abraham, he blessed Isaac. And the scripture says it goes on to bless his descendants for generation upon generation upon generation. 
God wants you to not only pass the test for the blessing for yourself, but everybody in the sphere of your influence that goes farther than what you could imagine. When we are obedient and give God what He asks, He always returns more to us than what we gave. As I said a minute ago, it's not always in the same fashion, but we are the ones who are blessed. It's not that we give God what He asks and we get the short change, short into the stick. No, God will bless you when you obey. You say, well, Brady, that's good, but what does that have to do with us today? As we close this morning, I believe that there are some direct applications for us this morning. And if everybody could hold steady, I'm going to ask that there's no moving around right now. If you've got an emergency, you're exempt. That's okay. The reason I ask this sometimes, when, when God is speaking to us, that's right when we need a drink of water. And, and when God gives us the itch to go somewhere, when the enemy gives us the itch to go somewhere, God is speaking, maybe not to you, but to the person next to you. And you may not be able to see it, but I can see it. It's like a, a rock in a pond. There's ripples. Bloop, 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 bloop. I'm going to stand up and go get a drink of water. So if you have an emergency, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about let's hold steady because God wants to do something here, friend. And if God's not speaking to you, you pray for the person around you. God may be speaking to them. Somebody here, God is speaking about the challenge of Abraham. There is something that God has put his finger on in your life. Not Brady. Not your parents. Not your kids. Not your neighbor. God has said that right there. I I want you to obey me. I I know it doesn't make sense to you. I know you don't understand all of it. I know you only have part of what you feel like you need to know. But you know enough to obey me. I I want you to surrender and obey me with reckless abandon. When, God? Now. How? Completely. Some of us, it's the challenge of Isaac. God may not be telling you to surrender this particular thing. You are the sacrifice. God wants your whole life. He wants all of you. Friend, if you are hungry for God, it comes because you have given your life to God. If you are not hungry and thirsty for God, God wants to take your flesh, take my flesh, and squeeze it out of us, to crucify it out of us. God wants to be Lord of every area of your life, to bring blessing to you. As... Pastor Edgar and the musicians come. I want to ask us as a body of believers to respond to God's word today in obedience. And for some of you, I believe that may be responding to God by coming and kneeling at these altars in prayer. If you're new around Grace Point, there's nothing supernatural about these benches, these altars. It represents a place where we surrender to God in prayer. It's not the only place we pray, but it's a good place to pray. And if God's speaking to you, it's going to be like a neon sign flashing. You just can't wait till I shut up so you can just obey God. You'll know God is speaking to you. God is clear. Satan is vague. Okay? Others' obedience today will look like you recommitting or re-celebrating the reckless abandon. Yes, you said to God a number of years ago. And God says, hey, that's good that you were willing to do it then, but what about today? 
There may be a renewal of the Holy Spirit coming for you where God wants to bless you again and again as you surrender again and again. Friend, if God is speaking to you today, don't wait. Sometimes our not now God turns into a no God. Don't barter on partial obedience. Come and pray and offer to God with His help you want to obey completely. As Pastor Edgar sings, stand up, come meet me at this place of prayer, and we'll close in prayer together.